Hi, good afternoon, everyone. This is Herbert Stryker, and welcome to the April 2019 REACH updates. Next slide. I'm Herbert Stryker. I suspect uh, many of you were on our Tosca 3030 that just concluded uh, five minutes ago. Um, we had about 180 people on the Tosca 3030. We have over 100 here. Uh, so thank you all for uh, staying on. Uh, and those of you who joined uh, just for this program, uh, welcome. Next slide. So what are we going to talk about today? Well, we're going to talk about, and I introduced this topic briefly in January where I was covering a number of different topics, uh, plans to require the registration of polymers under reach. There have been some new developments, uh, which I wanted to cover, uh, but I also want to reach back in the entire history of this issue in the European Union to give you some understanding of where we where we are and why we're why the Commission seems to be going where they plan to be going. So, as you if you've been around for quite a long time in the chemical area or you like to read old uh, reports, you'll remember that the predecessor to Reach was called the Dangerous Substance Directive. And under the Dangerous Substance Directive, uh, existing polymers, when they organized the European inventory, or what they called at that time, INEX, did not list polymers. It was quite remarkable, by the way, because all the other invent chemical inventories in, in different countries that had them did list polymers. Tosca under EPA, uh, the Canadian uh, DSL, domestic substance list, listed polymers. The Korean uh, Kichi listed polymers. Uh, China. So Europe was unique in that uh, existing polymers, when they organized the, uh, the INEX, did not list polymers. They were exempt from listing. However, uh, if, you, uh, if you first introduced a polymer that contained a non-INEX listed monomer at 2% or more, then it needed to be notified. And you remember the Europeans had a, a notification scheme. Uh, a lot of people refer to it as notification of new substance or NUNS, uh, but actually it was notification to the European list of notified chemical substances or ALINCs. So existing polymers were not listed. New polymers that contained non-INEX listed monomers at 2% or more, weight by weight, were notified and listed in a different list called ALINCs. Next slide. So what happened when, EP, uh, when uh, uh, the Commission... Um, uh, started working on the uh, the REACH proposal. Now, you may remember the REACH proposal, there was an initial proposal by the Commission in 2003. That was actually uh, subject to an Internet consultation. It was the first time that I'm aware of uh, that in Europe they had subjected uh, proposal legislation uh, to an Internet consultation or consultation by the public. And they do that now routinely for many, many different things. But I believe the REACH proposal in 2003 was the first time that they had done that. Uh, but in any event, what they did propose in 2003 uh, is that if you manufactured imported polymer in greater than one ton, you had to register the polymer, whether it was new or existing, uh, if it was uh, hazardous under what was called the old Dangerous Substance Directive. Uh, now that would be considered hazardous under the Classification Labeling and Packaging Regulation, or CLP. So it was uh, met the criteria for classification, and it had a number average molecular weight of less than 10,000 and a oligomer content uh, of, uh, of less than 1,000 Daltons with the oligomer content of greater than or equal to 
then you had to register that polymer, whether it was new or existing. Uh, and there were a couple of exemptions. <coughs> Next slide, please. And the commission, <coughs> that was kind of quite novel. And this was actually subject uh, to very, very intense uh, uh, opposition by industry uh, during the consultation period. And so the commission uh, had uh, a uh, consultancy, RPA, uh, look at this question a little bit more deeply. And RPA concluded that there were some, somewhere between 35,000 and 200,000 polymers in Europe that would potentially be subject to this registration. If you sort of think about it, that, polymers would over, over, uh, would, would over, uh, overexert the system. So as you know, there have been about 55,000 substances registered under REACH to date. Uh, under the uh, from 2008, 2010 to 2018, a 10-year period, uh, and so if you included polymers, you could well have four times that number. It would be a remarkably burdensome undertaking, both for industry and for the institutions, <coughs> if the uh, commission had required the registration of polymers when it first assembled organized reach. Next slide. Now, so what REACH did is it, uh, well, first thing is it did, it, it didn't require registration of polymers. So polymers were exempt from registration. Uh, instead, the monomers that make up the polymers, 2% uh, of all weight by weight, would be registered. That would also include imported polymers. The monomers would be registered. And the thinking was, well, if you got information on the monomers, then you got 90% of the story. Um, now, but however, REACH, uh, does have a provision at uh, Article 138.2, which says, and this is actually a quote, even though I'll put in quotes, that the commission may present, and this is important, it's discretionary, not mandatory, it doesn't say shall present, may present legislative proposals as soon as a practicable and cost-effective way of selecting polymers can be established. And after the commission publishes a report on the risks posed by uh, polymers in comparison with other substances, the need, if any, to register, quote, certain types of polymers, not all polymers, certain types of polymers, taking into account competitiveness, innovation on the one hand, and protection of public health and the environment on the other. Next slide. So in December 2012, there was a report issued by uh, three consultancies, and I give you a link to that. It's fascinating reading. If you have any interest in polymers, I suggest that you uh, download that link. It's a very comprehensive review of uh, what's known about polymers uh, in Europe. Uh, and some of the interesting findings from that report were that there were over 50,000 companies that manufacture plastic products in the EU. Most of them are small, uh, medium, and micro enterprises, SMEs. 95% of formulators and 5% of manufacturers of polymers. The number of polymers on the EU market at that time in 2012 was estimated to be 70,000. Many of them are specialty polymers. Specialty polymers generally low volume, less than uh, 10 tons per year per manufacturer imported. And most importantly, their expected market life is between five to seven years. So they're low volume, relatively short market life, not a lot of uh, opportunity there to spend huge amounts of money on developing registration data. Uh, but the industry as a whole is very, very important to the European economy. Uh, the uh, turnover is estimated at $307 billion. 
with imports accounting for a further $1.4 billion. So very, very important part of the European economy. Uh, lots of polymers. Uh, if you actually require registration of all of them, uh, the uh, the number would be astronomical. The cost would be astronomical. And so, therefore, that can't be possibly be done. But also surprisingly, what uh, this report concluded, uh, and I'm not, I'm not entirely clear how, they came to the conclusion or estimate that between 30% and 50% of all polymers uh, are, would be classified as hazardous, which, which is a remarkable finding. Next slide. There's another report that came out, uh, and this is uh, in the 2015 report, which thought it looked at the question of, well, what polymers should be registered, which polymers should not be registered. And what this report did is they, they, they tried to determine criteria for what would be uh, considered polymers of low concern. You know, as you know, anything about chemical legislation around the world, uh, there's usually exemptions for polymers of low concern. Under TSCA, these are what we call TSCA-exempt polymers. Uh, in um, uh, Canada, these are called reduced-risk polymers. Uh, in other countries, these are called polymers of low concern. There's generally either an exemption or reduced data requirements for such polymers. So what this 2015 report is trying to come up with a kind of a way of identifying uh, polymers of low concern. They had a three-step process. The first process is to look at the known hazards of the polymer. Again, they have to be known, not hypothetical, and see whether the polymer... Uh, met any of those hazards, and I listed those. I'm not going to go through them. They're most of the hazards in the CLP, with few exceptions. And also PBT, persistent bioaccumulative toxic properties, or BPVB, very persistent bioaccumulative properties. But again, it had to be known. So if there's no information available on the hazard classification of the polymer, then you can go to the next step. So if, let's assume you get to the second step. Next slide. The second step, you look at the known hazards of the monomers or other reactants and see whether any of those meet the same classification criteria that I had in the previous slide. And if the answer was no, uh, <coughs> and which is not too many polymers will pass this test because a lot of monomers you know, have some hazards. But however, the real central question is whether those hazards are expressed when they're in bound form in a polymer backbone. But notwithstanding that, they said, well, Let's look at the monomers. The monomers are not classified as hazardous. Then we can go to the last step. The last step is the, uh, the usual uh, polymer low concern criteria that you see under the TOSCA exemption, that you see in Canada, uh, that you see to some extent in Korea, that you see to some extent elsewhere. So it, 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 the, there could be no information known that suggested that the polymer uh, was hazardous. Uh, there could be no monomers or other reactants that were hazardous. And even if you passed all that stuff, you still had to meet the polymer low concern criteria that you see in other countries. I would really submit, I'm not, it would be very hard to, to think of a polymer that would pass all three steps. Next, next slide. And once you got to step three, well, once you passed step three and you were a polymer low concern, then the uh, 2015 report provided three options. First option was an exemption for registration with notification. <clears throat> That's the approach used in Japan and Korea. Uh, second option was exemption registration without notification, maintaining records. As you know, that's what you do under the Tosca polymer exemption. The third option was to register these polymers, polymers of low concern 
uh, we reduce data requirements. That's the uh, process used in Canada, Australia, China, Taiwan. However, these would only be for the polymer low concern. What's well, assumed here is if you were not a polymer of low concern, then you would be subject to full registration requirements. So this 2015 report uh, would have required registration uh, of most polymers in Europe, uh, with the uh, exception of polymers of low concern. And even in that case, one of the options was to require um, uh, reduced data set for polymers of low concern. Remember, this, is, this relates to both new and old polymers. So this is not the situation that you have in the U.S. where only new polymers are subject to PMN, or situation you have in other countries where only new polymers are subject to notification. Here, this is a situation where both new and existing polymers would be subject to registration requirements under reach. Next slide. So this uh, 2015 report, as I've discussed, um, well, I think a problematic report. And I think the commission recognized that it was problematic because it did not table the report at the uh, meeting of the competent authorities for REACH and the CLP, called CARICAL. However, it was summarized. It was discussed at that meeting. Uh, the commission had suggested uh, that, it, uh, it, that the member states should perhaps form a subgroup uh, to look at the question of registration of polymers. Uh, Germany stated they did not see the need for a subgroup. Uh, they did not consider polymers to be a problem, that the focus should remain on monomers as it does on the current version of REACH. The UK, uh, who we will sorely miss when they ultimately exit, if they do ultimately exit, uh, said, uh, pointed out, I think, quite correctly, that the problem with this 2015 report is the approach is backwards. Uh, it first looks at whether there are polymers of low concern uh, and then uh, deals with those then assuming that everything else needs to be registered in full. Whereas the uh, Article uh, 138, as I pointed out before, actually says that the com uh, commission needs to identify those polymers that require registration because of uh, their risks in comparison to other chemicals. Uh, and so really the focus has to be on polymers of concern rather than polymers of no concern. Uh, next slide. Notwithstanding the criticism of Caracal, uh, the Commission in 2017 did a, their second REACH review. They do a REACH review every five years, and they did commit to further investigate the information that would be necessary to identify relevant polymers that could be subject to registration. So that report came out actually in March 2018. So 2017 review came out in March 2018. Next slide. Uh, the Commission then rather quickly issued a tender uh, for consultancy. Uh, they're looking for a contractor to develop scientific criteria to identify polymers with potential hazards uh, and to suggest grouping of uh, different polymers for concern and to identify uh, what uh, data uh, should be used for the registration or evaluation of these, quote, polymers of concern. So that was a 2018 tender uh, proposal issued by the commission. Next slide. Uh, commission has granted that tender to the consultancy, uh, Wood PLC consultancy, uh, <coughs> working together with Peter Fisk Associates. They've been contracted by the European Commission to propose criteria for the identification of polymers of concern, including the possibility of grouping polymers of concern based on properties or hazard to estimate the potential risks 
proposed by such polymers of concern in comparison with other substances, to test and validate assumptions in a workshop, and to provide the commission with a detailed cost-benefit analysis of the registration requirements that can be used by the European Commission in a subsequent impact assessment. Before I get to the next slide, so <coughs> we had an effort in 2012. We had a report in 2012, which I discussed. We had a report in 2015, which I discussed. We had a discussion at Caracal as to whether the member states wanted to form a working group to work on this issue, which they declined. Uh, we have the commission moving forward uh, with a tender in 2018. We now have the commission granting that tender to a consultancy in 2019. This proposal, this idea is moving forward. Excellent. So what is what PLC uh, have do been doing lately? Well, they issued a questionnaire. Uh, I give you a link. You can find the questionnaire at that link, at least for the time being. Uh, they asked for comments from, uh, I guess, maybe select uh, invitees. I don't know if you've, uh, you've seen this. Some of you have, may have. Uh, most of it was distributed in Europe uh, and not necessarily the U.S. stakeholders, although some U.S. stakeholders have commented. Um, and the comments were due April 8th, and I want to go through a little bit of the questionnaire, the kinds of questions that they ask, because they give you some flavor, at least in my mind, as to where, the, where this consultancy is going. Next slide. So first is they do suggest that they've identified potentially uh, some categories of polymers that they may consider to be polymers of uh, uh, potential concern. And the ones they list are polymers with relevant hazard classifications on the CLP, uh, although recognizing that the CLP does not require any data, and a lot of the notifications for the CLP are not based on data. Uh, but in any event, they think that things that are on the CLP uh, inventory as hazardous polymers are potentially uh, uh, polymers of concern. Uh, cationic polymers they look at, that's the same as what EPA looks at on the new chemical program. Anionic polymers is another category. Ampoteric polymers non-ionic polymers, polymers containing little molecular weight ligamers, polymers with reactive functional groups, and then others such as polymers that degrade to a problematic uh, constituent. So those are the ones they're thinking about, uh, you know, whether or not those will be identified as polymers that concern the final consultancy report, it's unclear, but at least at this time they did ask uh, questions about that, uh, and so you get some some flavors where they're going, where they're coming from. Next slide. Uh, they also uh, provide at least some indication uh, as to uh, yeah, interest, yeah, as to uh, how they plan to group polymers, and uh, they're sort of thinking about uh, similarity of hazards. For example, common lower molecular weight ligamers and impurities, common reactive functional groups, and they give some examples. Or, or commonality of use, and believing that in some cases polymers with similar uses may be similar in terms of properties. So that gives you some idea how they plan to group polymers. Um, there's lots of questions in the questionnaire about, uh, you know, how you would set up SEEPs or substance information forums uh, for polymers, um, how you would protect, uh, preserve uh, confidentiality, which in the case of polymers uh, is very, very critical in terms of chemical identity. Uh, how you would determine sameness of polymers. Uh, and so a lot of different sort of questions and the mechanics of this uh, were in the questionnaire. But I did want to go through some questions that were in the questionnaire so you get a flavor as to what kind of information they're looking for 
and what kind of information they need to ultimately make a recommendation to the commission. Next slide. So a couple of things they've asked. They've asked, I think, some interesting questions. Uh, if you're interested in polymers, if you're concerned about polymers, if your companies have uh, markets for polymers in Europe, uh, I would look for ways to interact with this group. Even though they asked for comments on their questionnaire on April 8th, I've been involved in many, many different consultations with European consultancies. They always put out deadlines, always claiming they need reports, uh, information by a certain date. But the reality is they generally don't get as much many responses as they would like, and therefore they would welcome additional information uh, far beyond the deadline that they presented. So I would be mindful of that and think about uh, getting involved with them. Uh, so are you aware of publications address the uh, hazards or risks of polymers or exposure of polymers? Uh, they want to know whether there are any special problems associated with identifying hazards uh, when it comes to polymers. Uh, they wanted to see know if you had any information on the uh, health and safety of polymers, specific information that was based on actual data, uh, you know, on the um, uh, testing of polymers. Now, many companies have information on polymers that may not be widely known. So, for example, uh, if you uh, did a PMN on a polymer which was not polymer exempt, uh, you may well have generated some data on that polymer. Uh, so there is, a, there is a universe of hard information on polymers which may not be generally known. Uh, they've agreed that anything you provide them would be maintained as confidential. Uh, and so you may want to think about uh, doing something to ensure that whatever it is they come up with is uh, based on actual information and is educated as opposed to speculative. Next slide. <coughs> they asked a bunch of other additional uh, executive questions. Uh, they want to know about bioavailability, systemicity of polymers. They want to know if there was a cutoff, molecular weight cutoff, associated with bioavailability of polymers. Um, they want to know whether the data requirements in the REACH annexes. As you know, REACH has test annexes uh, associated with each tonnage band that go from 1 to 10 tons under Annex 7 all the way up to 1,000 tons plus under Annex 10. They wanted to know whether those uh, test, test uh, requirements you know, made sense for polymers. Uh, they wanted to know whether there were other properties of polymers that were not covered by the REACH text, uh, test annexes. They wanted to know whether uh, you know uh, there were exposure models uh, that could be used for polymers to develop uh, chemical safety reports or CSRs. They wanted to know whether there were QSAR models that could be used uh, for monomers to satisfy some of the uh, the endpoints. They wanted to know whether there was in vitro testing in order to be able to avoid unnecessary animal testing uh, that was relevant to polymers, uh, and they wanted to know. Uh, what people thought about the OECD test guidelines uh, and whether they met uh, and were appropriate for polymers. So really getting into the details of uh, registration of polymers and uh, you know, fairly open to information, good solid uh, information from the regulated community. And uh, as I said, even though April 8th was the deadline they provided, I would suspect that they would be happy to receive any uh, valuable information up until the point when they have to present the commission with the report. Next slide. 
so that's it for polymers. Um, next OSHA 3030s on April 24th. Uh, next Tosca 3030s May 15th. The next REACH uh, is May 15th. So this is unusual. Usually the last number of REACH uh, 3030s, I've given you kind of a number of different topics. I thought this one deserved an entire 30-minute treatment. It's very, very important. Um, you know, as you know, Korea has a registration requirement for existing polymers, um, and so we'll have to see how that all plays out. As you know, Australia and Canada are struggling with the question of uh, polymers. They both have initiatives uh, to at least screen uh, all existing po uh, polymers in commerce in Canada um, and uh, U.S. Um, and although a fair number of new polymers have been registered on the Tosca, it remains to be seen whether any polymer uh, will be designated as a high priority for risk evaluation on a new Tosca. But this whole question of polymers and ensuring and what to do about them and how much information is needed to establish their safety is a very, very, very much open question. And I think one of the more important questions uh, in the uh, chemical debate, chemical debate. So anyway, I thank you for here presentation. About over 100 people here. Again, the next uh, Reach 3030 is May 15th, and we'll talk to you then. Take care. Bye bye.